Hello everyone. Welcome back to See the Invisible, Living with an Invisible or Rare Disease. My name is Rhonda Franny Jefferson, and thank you so much for taking some time out to listen. If you're new here to tell you a little bit about why I started the podcast and what I hope to do, um, it's because you know I was feeling some negativity especially around the time that COVID started and just some of the responses, you know, that some people were having towards those who have some type of underlying medical condition. So I wanted to kind of turn that negative energy into a positive. And so I started this podcast to let people know that you're not alone out there, even though everybody's situation is different. There are others out there who, you know, who understand what it's like to live with an invisible disease. And actually, you know, there's a website that I've been relying on for my last few episodes and really reading through everything in there. You know, I really recognize, you know, some of the things that I felt I was alone in feeling that this website is really advocating for. So it's let me know that others out there you know, feel some of the same ways that I do. And this website is trying to lend a voice. Um, we've been going over some asthma um, information over the last couple of weeks. And I had sent an email to, um, to the actual um, contact on the web page to see if there was any way that you know we could do an interview about some of the topics and uh, I did hear back last week and what I'll probably do is he and I will have a phone interview but to actually have it aired he says it will have to go through like their media relations so you know I'll probably just talk to him get the answers to my questions um, and then come back and just discuss it on the podcast but it's really you know empowering to know that others you know are out there advocating for people with invisible illnesses so um, I also have mentioned my father that he's you know he's kind of had a rough time of it Um, but he's doing a lot better he is in a rehabilitation center right now to you know try to get back to getting around on his own he's ready to come home he's you know 87 but he's like I want to go home and I don't think he's ever spent this much time indoors ever he's always loved being outside so you know it's it's been rough on him um, I wish that it had been caught earlier um, he had cancer. Um, He's probably still going to have to go through chemo, but, you know, he did everything he was supposed to as far as seeing doctors for a long, long time, and it was just never found, and he actually had surgery on a Saturday to remove it because they were very concerned about it. Um, So, you know, I'll give an update whenever he does come home. I'm sure he'll be extremely happy to get back. Um, And he has cats, so he misses his cats. So they'll be happy to see him too.
So before I really get into the podcast itself, I always just like to give a disclaimer that I am in no way a medical insurance or legal expert. If you do have any questions in any of those fields, please be sure that you reach out to a specialist in that area. This podcast is not meant to be medical advice. I just share my experiences, my thoughts and opinions, and review some articles that I've read online. So um, going back to our asthma series, we are going to discuss today asthma in infants and toddlers. So, you know, that can be a very difficult thing to understand because a very small child is not going to be able to you know, explain to you what they're going through. So we have to be really vigilant if we notice anything um, to, you know, make sure we reach out to our doctors that we're noting anything that we see, see that looks odd. Um, my son did have a few of these issues but there are also some other things that might look like asthma that aren't, and that's what he had. So I'll discuss that a little more when we get to that part. Um, But some of the things that you need to look at um, for asthma in infants is a very fast breathing. Um, My son was actually having that, and I made an appointment with the doctor. So, you know, don't hesitate. If you see something that's wrong, contact your doctor. If it seems like a baby is actually working hard to breathe, you know, that should never happen. Um, Look at his nose to see if like the nostrils are flaring and you see if like the stomach is moving very fast back and forth. Um, And just while I'm going through to um, The website that I'm referring to is the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, and pretty much that's my main source for this information. Um, I've used some of the information from them before, and it's a really, really good website and gives a lot of information, and it really keeps up to date on what's going on, you know, even when it comes to legislation that can help protect those who have allergies or asthma. Um, so also if you know the toddler once they get up and playing or even you know infants as they start to to move around some to see if they're panting you know with just minimal activity um, not talking about you know an hour of running around outside but just you know normal activities and you see that they're panting that's not normal Um, a wheezing sound which I had a lot when I was a child and I I remember I didn't know how to explain it and I never really you know said anything about it to my parents but you know just kind of listen you know when things are quieter is where I would notice it but you know as the child is breathing in and out you're hearing this you know kind of a whistle coming out and You know, as a child, I didn't know how to explain that. Um, To me, it sounded like crying. And, you know, I couldn't figure out how to tell my parents I thought that someone was crying around me when there was no one there. So, you know, just, you know, something to look out for, you know, as far as listening yourself, but also, 
you know, with an awareness that with any of these, you know, if your child is trying to explain something to you once they do have, um, you know, some words or verbal, verbal skills, they may not be explaining it in ways that an adult or even, you know, an older child would be doing. Um, look out for any long-term coughing, um, any difficulty while they're, you know, sucking on anything like, you know, a sippy cup or while they're trying to eat and if they seem more tired than usual and something that you know, I wouldn't have thought of but something called cyanosis and that's where there's actually um, around things such as the nail beds or um, your fingertips lips and eyes the skin color actually turns to um, like a gray or a white or blue you know it looks different now even as an adult um, I have experienced this in some you know some cases there was a colleague of mine who you know, just jokingly one time said I can tell that you're not feeling well by how gray you are or something to that effect it's been a while and I'm like huh you know, what does that mean and actually later that day I did look in the mirror and I was like oh I see what she means and I kind of had this this grayish pallor I guess you would call it or you know everywhere and I was like oh I I understand now why she says you know that she can tell if I'm not feeling well and I did have trouble breathing and also just getting back to um, the part of the building I worked in it was a very long walk so it was extremely difficult for me so even more in a child they're not going to be able to tell you you know that they're having some difficulty so look out for any of these symptoms now as far as the causes of asthma in you know very young children as with about any type of illness there's not really a way to say for certain how um, a child may get that now of course there are some things that make a child more um, prone to have asthma and some of that is family history so you know with you know going back to my son both his father and I have a history of that so you know we were very very careful as far as looking out for him but then there's also um, you know things such as smoking during pregnancy you know the child you know something I I said because I just smoked casually, which I know is horrible. I shouldn't have done that. But, you know, especially if I do had or had a, you know, long history of respiratory infections. But, you know, when I found out I was pregnant, I stopped immediately. And, you know, I, my thought was, you know, the baby has no say in this. So, you know, if you do smoke when you know before you find out that you're pregnant just you know keep that in mind that smoking can increase the chances of the child getting asthma um, also I did mention a resp that I have a lot of respiratory infections but you know keep an eye on that in children as well um, any type of respiratory virus it can really create a lot of the symptoms of asthma and children actually get um, respiratory infections or viruses more often than adults and 
you know, especially when they start preschool and things like that, they're around with, you know, a lot of other children who may have some, you know, may have a virus. So about half of the children that do have asthma, um, you should be able to see the symptoms before age five. Um, that's at least half of the kids who, you know, are diagnosed with asthma. Now you might ask, okay, why is there a difference between asthma in small children and asthma in adults? Well, just looking at, you know, physiology, very young children, they have a extremely small airway compared to an adult. You know, it's the airway that, you know, is correspondent with their size. So whenever there's anything that might happen, inflammation, um, infections, any type of um, blockage, that can, you know, have a more devastating effect on a child than it would for an adult. So I did also mention that sometimes the symptoms of asthma can actually look like something else. And so it's always, of course, um, you know, important to keep an eye out on everything and make sure you're writing things down so that you can provide information to your child's doctor. So one of the things that may look like it could be asthma but isn't is bronchiolitis. And what that is is an inflammation around the bronchioles. Um, many of us may have seen, um, say, like a picture of the lungs and respiratory system and it almost looks like tree branches or like a um, river, you know, just something that has a lot of tributaries to compare it to a river. Um, and what happens is there's inflammation in there, which makes it hard to breathe. Um, also croup, which is a infection um, in the respiratory airway. And just as, you know, I discussed a few moments ago that with a child, it really, when you have that inflammation, it really closes down the amount of air that the child can take in. You know, that is, um, croup is treatable. So, you know, again, it may look like it's asthma, but actually it could be something else. So again, you know, just some things to, to keep track of to tell your child's doctor. Um, the next thing is acid reflux, which is actually what my child had. Um, at the time, we were very fortunate in that we lived um, in a different part of the state than we live now, but there was one of the best children's hospitals in the world, actually, that was you know, very close to where we lived, so we were able to get him into there. Um, then there's pneumonia, which, you know, that's fluid in the lungs, um, upper respiratory infections or viruses, which, you know, we touched upon briefly a little bit ago. Um, but, you know, again, especially when you have young children, these types of viruses can spread. So, you know, important to keep an eye on that aspiration, which um, it's sometimes called pulmonary aspiration. And that's when someone can actually breathe in um, an object or fluid into their lungs. And so this can result in like wheezing, uh, choking feeling, shortness of breath, and going off topic as far as 
you know, a child in asthma. Sometimes this is seen in um, someone who you know, either has another medical condition where they've been ill and, you know, if they're laying down, um, you know, they may actually inhale something when they're trying to drink or eat um, or even if they they vomit to breathe some of that back in can cause aspiration um, an inhaled object itself into the airway you know children you know do that and actually that happened with my younger son and you know, thankfully, we were able to get it out very quickly when I realized there was an issue. It was just large enough. It was, you know, blocking his entire airway. And, you know, in a matter, everything happened in a matter of seconds. Um, so in his case, it was very obvious that, you know, he was having trouble breathing and it looked like he must have, you know, put something in his mouth and um, choked on it. Well, not really choked, but it was blocking his airway um, you know but if it's a smaller item you may see struggling um, to breathe as um, you know a symptom in your child then there's also I'm probably going to say this wrong epiglottis and you know what that is is you know that that flap in your throat um, that actually is there to try to stop food from going into the windpipe and airway um, and I'm going to try to say it again epiglottitis is actually where the inf there's inflammation in that um, you know I guess you would call it um, the covering of a valve almost is what it functions as um, in the back of the throat um, cystic fibrosis fibrosis which is actually something related to genetics um, so definitely very important um, you know cystic fibrosis needs a lot of care medical care um, and then also possibly if there's some type of birth defect that is causing um, breathing issues in a child and so especially with you know, a child or, you know, infant or toddler not being able to explain what's going on, um, you know, it's hard to necessarily get an early diagnosis. So what parents should do um, when they're looking at some symptoms, you know, of their child, make sure you have an open discussion with your child's doctor. Let them know if there's family history of asthma or allergies. And right now I'm going through the exact list as listed in the um, Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America's website. Um, you know, look at the child's behavior. Some of the things we went over before, such as, you know, panting or having trouble breathing after, you know, normal childhood activity. Look for patterns such as um, daytime versus nighttime, if they're active or at rest. Um, you know, anything that might, you know, show that um, they're having trouble breathing in or out. And also look at any possible allergy triggers. You know, there seems to be more of an issue where, say, they're in an area where there's lots of pollen, um, you know, anything in the air or foods that might actually um, cause a reaction. So, you know, even though asthma and allergies 
are two different things and you can have one without having the other, a lot of times they do go hand in hand. Your doctor may also order a lung function test and what, you know, it's again hard to do with the younger children and now since doing a lung function test is difficult on a child, um, a doctor may give them certain medications to see how that helps um, breathing improve. Um, they might do other types of tests that can determine allergies and might do some x-rays, which I know um, that's what they did with my little guy um, at the children's hospital. So again, just make sure you pass any information you have along to the doctor, nothing is too small to let them know. Um, now, young children can still take um, a lot of the same medications that adults can, but the dosage is just smaller. Um, you know, think of it like, you know, children's Tylenol or ibuprofen. It's the same thing, it's just on a lower dosage to adjust to your child's size. Um, now, with children, um, sometimes it does need to be an inhaled form of the medication because of some difficulty you may have in giving them um, the actual um, medication if it you know comes in a form that they might not be able to take. So um, you might have to use a nebulizer, and that sometimes um, is called a breathing machine. And what it does is, you know, it creates some type of mist. You might actually have something um, with the mask called a spacer, which is, you know, easier for children to use where, you know, it actually is kind of like um, trying to describe it as my children used it. Um, it's kind of a holding area for the medication and it, it just allows that children to breathe it in more naturally so it's not forced. Now, if you do find that your child has asthma, um, there are some things you can do to try to make sure that it's managed. Um, make sure you know what the warning signs are. Um, develop what's called an asthma care plan or asthma action plan um, and consult your doctor. Now, you may be asking what that is. It can entail a lot of things, but you know, I would say some of the most important things is make sure that you have child care um, if you have other children make sure you know where the closest facility is that could treat your child um, you know contacts doctors medication anything like that um, that's important for an emergency room to know now if you do happen to live in an area where there's multiple hospitals um, you know if there's certain things that one hospital or your insurance might not cover at one hospital that will with the other. Um, now, you know, if it's a true full emergency, of course, you know, don't hesitate in getting them to whichever hospital is close, I would say. Um, but if you're in a situation where you do know or there are multiple hospitals and you do know that one is covered by your insurance the other isn't um, you know it takes a lot of stress off knowing that you know it's covered or at least you know it's in network for your insurance 
but again, you know, if it's something severe, contact your child's doctor or just go to the ER, depending on what's going on. Again, I'm not a medical professional, so, you know, I can't look at a certain situation and say, this is when you go. Um, but, you know, looking at your own child, you know what is, you know, normal and not normal for them. Um, part of the plan is actually to just following things such as the medication daily, um, you know, doing things that you know will help alleviate your child's asthma. Um, as your child grows and they're able to communicate with you a little bit more, make sure you let them know that if, when they're not feeling well and as part of that, if they're having trouble breathing, make sure that they let you know and as far as reducing um you know the asthma symptoms learn things that your child reacts to so again things such as pollen um, pet dander dust mites um, a lot of the airborne allergens that are out there see if those you know are triggering breathing events in your child you know again asthma and allergies just because you have one does not necessarily mean you have the other but it does a lot of time um, go hand in hand make sure that you're managing the child's day-to-day -day activity and medications as um, your doctor has advised and if you do smoke make sure that you're not smoking around your child just as a reminder too, the smoke does land on um, you know clothing hair everything else so you know you want to be cognizant of that fact um, my husband did smoke for a long period of time and he did quit a couple of years ago but when we were in the hospital and you know a nurse was reviewing things with us she let us you know, let us know about that and it's something i wouldn't have thought of yes you know i could smell smoke on um, clothing if someone had just finished smoking but that is actually dangerous to a child as well now, um, my husband will say a lot of times, too, that he outgrew asthma, and that's actually a little bit of a misnomer. Um, if anyone has airways that are sensitive, um, they stay that way. But the difference is, you know, as mentioned before, a young child has a much smaller airway. Um, you know, that can change. So as a person gets older, when you have that inflammation along the airway, as adults, we're you know more equipped to handle that. Um, so also, if if someone quote unquote outgrows asthma, um, it is actually possible then to see it again as an adult. Um, and you know usually that happens in the thirties, late thirties or early forties, um, according to the article on AFA. Um, and there's not really a way to predict that. Um, now, my mom, she always used to say, you know, if you live in Delaware, you have asthma or allergies. Um, and, you know, it's very prevalent in the area that I live in, but there's a lot of pollen and other airborne allergens. So, you know, of course it is more, um, you know, it is seen more in this particular area. Now, as always, I will leave um, the link to this particular um, article that I've reviewed today and put that in my um, description as a source um, whenever I use anything for 
um, the podcast, I do put that as a source in my description, um, as well as where I got a couple of the definitions um, related to either the symptoms or what asthma could be, you know, confused for or looks like um, when it's not asthma actually. And, you know, again, with this website, it's actually really, really, um, really good to have this resource. Um, this foundation is really advocating for, you know, those who have asthma and allergies. It's, it's an invisible illness. And, you know, a lot of people, I don't think, realize that there could be people that you work with you know, that you're friends with and you don't even realize they have asthma because I think the media always just depicts it as always having, you know, someone who does have asthma is just always using their inhaler or they're limited in what they can do. You know, just some things that really aren't true. And so as a society, I think a lot of people think that asthma is more of a visible illness because they think that you know, they're going to be able to see you use your inhaler all the time. That's just my opinion as far as what I've seen um, and heard, you know, as far as, you know, if someone says they have asthma and you know, the reaction is, oh, really? I didn't know that because they're not seeing the way it's depicted sometimes in, um, you know, television shows, things like that. So um, I'll be looking at um, asthma during pregnancy next episode and also if asthma and allergies are disabilities there's also a section um, on the living with asthma links on this um, website about traveling with asthma and allergies and that's actually something that i'm very very passionate about as far as making sure everybody's rights are honored when they're trying to travel um, but have asthma or allergies and in reviewing some of that you know I try to get a little bit of ahead and review certain things you know more in advance in case I need more information and just in doing so I found a lot of interesting articles about you know how traveling was handled with asthma or allergies and actually the way that some people were treated in regards to this and you know dangers that happened because um, you know of basically the response to wherever they were traveling with um, so you know I really think that's going to be more of a larger or I'm sorry a longer episode so I'm just going to combine the traveling with I'm sorry the asthma during pregnancy with the or asthma and allergies disabilities because um, I think those two um, are a little bit shorter and you know hopefully I can get the information and speak with someone from this foundation you know before the end of the episodes but we're looking at at least two more episodes possibly three um, and you know some of the things that I hope to cover with um, the representative is things such as disparity in health care, um, you know, just also about insurance issues, you know, things that might be, you know, contributing to, you know, how prevalent asthma and allergies are and as far as, you know, inhibiting treatments of allergies and asthma. 
All right. So thank you everybody for taking the time out to listen. I hope that you got a little bit of information, especially if you're a parent, a grandmother, grandfather, aunt or uncle to a young child on just knowing what to look for and what to keep track of for your doctor. So I will talk to you all next week. Have a great rest of the week and talk to you then. Bye.